0: All right, good morning. What a good morning so far. Al, I'm ringing a little bit up here because probably I am talking louder than when we tested it. So, sorry about that. That is all me. Oh, you guys look good today. Thank you. I warm just for you, Caleb. I don't know if I'm sweet, but. Ooh, you got, did you guys enjoy the rain yesterday? Yay, rain. I was out on a baseball field when it was raining. It was, but it was good to have some rain. Um, if you were listening to the video announcements, which I would encourage you to do that. That is why we have them. So you know what's going on around here. Um, but today at 1.30 we have our ministry team training going on. I would not miss it. If you've never gone through the ministry team training here at the mission, you want to go through it. It's not just so you can be part of the team that ministers on Sunday morning. They are life skills in the kingdom. And so if you want to minister to your family, to your neighbors, the world that you influence, you want to come to this training. So it's today, 1.30 in the upper room. But you can meet Dave in the foyer right after service to get some more information. Let him know that you're coming but you do not want to miss it. It's not just for here. It's to actually take out what God's done in our lives and influence the world around us, right? Kind of. Okay, I know you're afraid to say amen because then that means you have to do something about it. It means you're agreeing with it. i tell you, it's going to be interesting. Come on. I feel a little. We like it. Yes. Well, I think today I'm actually going to be able to finish my series that we started. Uh, now, it's, I think it was in January. But it's going to be good. The Holy Spirit is doing a lot today. And so, so let's pray so that you hear what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. Doesn't really matter what I say, but it's what you hear by the Holy Spirit. Because his words are way better than mine. It's not a dig on me, but it's just knowing the power of the Holy Spirit, right? If God isn't better than we are, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying something like this because you're going to take it, some people are going to take it wrong that I'm demeaning us. What I'm trying to say, I don't want to serve a God that I fully understand and is not greater than my understanding, right? So he can speak a whole lot better than we can. So Holy Spirit, we just open our hearts and our ears to you today, that we hear the words you're speaking through us, that today our hearts will become one with you today, that our ears will become one with you, and that we hear your words this morning, not man's but yours So prepare our hearts and our ears this morning to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the... Yeah. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? He told me earlier not to speak at all, so I'm having a little bit of an argument with him. Because it's so much easier just to just go straight through your notes. So I'm, I'm discerned, trying to figure out which parts he doesn't want me to talk about. It's probably the parts that would get me in trouble. <laughs> if that it were. But we're going to finish up our series today that was faithfulness, obedience, and love. The three phases of the game. We started talking about during football season. How a football team to win has to win in three phases of the game. they got to win. Win the offensive side, they got to win on the defensive side, and they got to win on the special teams side of the, to win. If you can win in those three areas, you're going to win the game, right? Yes? Yes? Okay, there are football fans here, right? Okay. So the first week, we started talking about in the kingdom, there's three phases to the kingdom that are going to help us win individually, but also win as a community, as a family. In the first week we talked about faithfulness. Says, What are we doing with what he has given us? And that was out of Matthew twenty five, this is verse twenty one. It says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So we talked about three things that hinder us from being faithful. One, we don't think we have the ability. We don't, don't let your insecurities paralyze to do something. Yes. That we allow our insecurities in life to keep us from actually doing something with what God's given us. So we don't want to let our insecurities paralyze us. Number two, we don't realize who our master is. We have the Holy Spirit who has the answers. We can lean into him and reap where we have not sown. Yes. Yes. Number three, we make, we make fear our friend, and that keeps us from being faithful. When we allow fear to be our guide, we will dig ourselves into a hole, and fear will steal our harvest. So then week two, we talked about obedience. This is out of 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. It says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as, his, as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of denovation, and arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. When we are disobedient, we are partnering with witchcraft and worshiping something else other than God. We looked at Romans 6.16, where it talks about us being slaves. We are slaves to the one we obey. When we obey Jesus, then we are slave to Him. And we can say amen to that. Amen. And then we will finish with John fourteen twenty-three. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jesus equates obedience to love. Which leads us to this final phase of the game: love. This is Second John chapter one, verse five. And now, dear lady, I am writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another and that this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. John is here, is talking about that from the beginning, love was the priority. That the law wasn't from the beginning, right? I mean, those that have uh, opened your Bibles and read that, right? The law wasn't from the beginning, but love was. John is saying that's what things, everything started with was love. So that's our base, right? That is where we start everything from is love. Okay, are we all in agreement with that? Yes? Yes? All right. So see, when Jesus was around, he would start sharing about the kingdom. And that upset people, certain people, especially the Pharisees. They didn't like it because it was contrary to the kingdom they had built. And they felt their kingdom was threatened. So they would ask Jesus questions to try to trap, them, trap him because he, they knew that the crowd was for him. But they understood if they can turn the crowd against them, against him, then they can do something, right? It says over and over that they wanted to arrest him, but they couldn't because they knew the crowd would not allow them to. So they would ask questions to try to get him to say something the crowd wouldn't like. So we're going to pick this up in Mark 12, verse 28. And this is one of the questions that the Pharisees was trying to trap him in. It says, all of the commandments, which is the most important? Let me read that again because I think I just totally read it wrong. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So here Jesus answers this question saying, love your God, love your neighbor. And he says these are the greatest Now, when Jesus says something is the greatest, it's probably pretty important to listen to, right? You know, there's always the debates on who's the greatest baseball player, who's the best football player, who's the best basketball player of all time. I don't know why they argue about it. Michael Jordan is the best player of all time. (laughs) LeBron is an amazing player. He's number two. So I don't even know why they even debate over it. But you know they got to argue about something. But Jesus is saying love is the greatest commandment. So we should be really good at this. Right? Oh we got really quiet. He's saying this is the most important thing. But do we live our lives... And I'm talking about myself here, that we make love the most important thing. And so today I want to talk about making love the most important thing in our lives. Because that's what Jesus said is the greatest. So we might, as disciples of Jesus, live that out. We should be experts in love. We should be the most loving people on this planet. You know, the last few years, I was talking with George this morning a little bit about this. You know, we've gone through a lot, and a lot of people are like, oh, this is the worst time in history, and it has been very interesting time in history. But if you know history at all, it's probably not the worst time in history. <laughs> it's probably the worst time in their history. It doesn't diminish what people have gone through over the last two, three years. Yeah. But during those, two, those last two, three years, you know, dealing with COVID, the re, uh, political stuff, dealing with racial issues, trying to work through those as a nation and as a world, we've been squeezed, right? Yep. Yep. And what happens when you get squeezed? What happens when you squeeze a sponge? Something comes out, Right? Right? When we squeeze things something comes out. And so I want to reflect on what has come out of us during these seasons of being squeezed. Because a sponge when it gets squeezed anything that comes out of it is what it's been soaking up. Yes, that's right. That's right. Wow. Yep, yep. So when you squeeze that sponge and you just wiped up the apple juice your kid just spilled, and you go wring it out in the sink, apple juice is gonna come out. Whether you want it to or not. Right? You don't have a choice what comes out of that once it's soaked up. But if you choose to soak up water instead of apple juice, then water's gonna come out. You have a choice to what you're soaking up. So when we get squeezed and something comes out of us that we don't want people to see. (laughs) Or we're very happy they saw that side because you're pissed at them. And then we wonder why it came out. (laughs) It's because what are we soaking up? What are we choosing to allow into our lives? Are we choosing love to come into our life? See, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're not intaking love, how are you going to love your neighbor? That's right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Because yeah. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Which I love that he uses the word Neighbor. Because for the most part, we can choose our neighbor. Right? Sort of. sort of. But if you don't like your neighbor, do you have the choice to move? Yes. yes you can, if you own the house, you can sell it and go buy another one. If you're renting, once your lease is up, you can go rent another house. Right? Yes. Just, just play along with me if you don't agree. <laughs> but you can kind of choose your neighbor. So this is kind of easy. I, I like my neighbors. I have great neighbors. We moved into the neighborhood a year and a half ago or so. And we have great neighbors. So this is a really easy commandment for me. Love my neighbor. Like, yes, Jesus, you're amazing. <laughs> but then he gives this in Matthew five forty three. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the <clears throat> excuse me, on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So I, I'm good with loving my neighbor. Loving my enemy is a whole nother ball game. And that's actually when the squeeze comes. To your neighbor, you're cool with. You know, you got people in your life that you're, you're good with, that you can hang out with, that, that love you, you love them. You know, sometimes you might get in a spat with them, but, but push, push comes to sub, you can love them. But what happens when the person comes along and puts a knife in your back? Does love come out of the stab wound? Does love come out when they take the bad across your head? Does love come out when they speak about you in unfavorable terms? Whether it's true or not. What's going to come out? And Jesus is saying, not only do you have to love your neighbor... But your enemy is is deserving of love. Because Jesus says you treat your neighbor the same way you treat your enemy. That the one that persecutes you, you better treat him just like you treat your neighbor or the one you really love. He's saying they're the same. And so I was like, God, I don't want them to be the same. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked up the word love, hoping that that word love was two different words. Unfortunately, it is not. But the word there that says the love God is the same word of loving your neighbor. It's the same word as loving your enemy. It's the exact same word. We don't get out of it just because people don't like us. You know, Jesus says, love God with all all of you. Love your neighbor the same way as you love God. And love your enemy the same way you love God. But he goes on, as we know Jesus does. (laughs) And twists the knife a little bit more. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Jesus is saying, hey, the scum of the earth knows how to love somebody that loves them. So if you know how to do that, that means nothing. Anybody can do that. He's basically saying anybody can love the person that loves them. And then he goes on, 47, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Jesus is saying, hey, even the ones that don't know God know how to treat the people that love them. They know how to treat the people of their own, their own people. Man, the church has gotten really good at this. True. True. It's true. Of treating their own really well. Yeah. And if you're not a part of the church, then, well, you don't count. We don't have to treat you well. Because you're not one of us. Now, not here. I'm not talking to you. Because you guys are amazing people. You really are. I, I love our community of mission people, because they know how to love, you know how to love people. So please don't take this as, hey, we've got a bunch of issues we need to deal with, because you guys really do this. But I think we can get better. And the church has has become famous for loving their own well, but not the ones that aren't their own. And Jesus said even the pagans can do that well. Verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is basically basically saying, do better. Can we do better than the pagans? Can we do better than the tax collectors? Now, you have to remember, some of his disciples were tax collectors. So that must have been an interesting conversation afterwards. When Matthew's like, hey, 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 what's going on here, Jesus. But he's saying, be, be better than the tax collector, be better than the pagan. Because then, if not, what's the difference? Yeah, come on. Come on. You know, we say we love Jesus, but do we love ones that aren't our own? Come on. You know, might be, well, that's, that's great, Ryan. We do need to have a foundation of love, we do need to love people. That aren't don't look like us, don't act like us. You know, we need to love people even if they don't love us. But really, what's but what's the outcome of this all? What's the point? Because we can't just look at ourselves. You know, we can't make everything just about us, right? Right? Or no? I guess we can make it about us. It's like talking to my kids. Can't? It's not all about you. See, I was, I know this is going to be shocking, but I was born in 1976. I know that seems way too long ago for me. Whoa, no surprise at all in the audience. great. <laughs> feel loved. Maybe I'll go to the teenagers. They, they, they'll love me a little bit more now. But I was born in 1976 in Santa Cruz, California, which is Hippieville. I loved growing up there. I was there until I was almost eight, eight years old. But growing up there, you see a lot of people from the hippies from the 60s and 70s they're just all over the place that's that's their home and growing up you would i would see this and you know they're the generation of the summer of love of make love not war but they only knew how to do it how the world does it and so growing up i saw the destructiveness of that All the drug use, alcohol abuse, living on the streets. So I grew up, that's how I grew up, with being around those amazing people that just were lost. And the destruction of loving how the world tries to love. But then I would hear stories of people that looked totally normal, looked like they had their life together. And they came out of that culture And I had no idea because they weren't all screwed up. And they start telling their stories about how they were in that culture in the 60s and early 70s. And how life was just totally screwed up until somebody decided to love them. That people from the church got out of their pews, got out of their mindset of we love on the ones that are our own. And they went out and started loving these teenagers and young people that were desperately lost. And they went out and started loving on them where they were at. And they started loving on them even though they didn't love them back. And they went into the coffee shops, they went into the streets, and started loving on them. And many of you know this, that out of that came the Jesus movement. And thousands of young people came in to the love of Jesus because people like you were willing to go out and love on the ones that weren't deserving of love that didn't fit in the church I mean we don't think about it now but to walk into a church in shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt was not acceptable I'm so thankful now I can come and preach in a hoodie. <laughs> but back then that, that wasn't normal. But people were willing to get out of their comfort zone and love people that could never love them back. And that's why it's important because there's a world out there waiting for the church to love them. To not be caught up on they're not our own. To not be caught up on, well, they have nothing to give back to the church. And when when we do that, not if, because we are, because I know there's many of you that already do this. But when that happens, when people are willing to get out of their comfort zone, get out of church, the comfortability, and start loving on people that can never love them back, that's when revival happens. That's when this city and this region will have a revival. And a Jesus movement again will come because of you. Because we as the church make love the priority. That love is our foundation and when we are squeezed by the world Love comes out. They don't expect that at all. The world does not expect you to flow love out of you when they squeeze you. So when the world squeezes you, don't be shocked. Maybe this is the part I shouldn't say, but I think it's important. Why are we shocked when the world acts like the world? I don't get it. Why the church throws their hands up in the air and like, how dare you do this? They're lost. They're squeezing the church to find out what's gonna come out. And are we gonna be a church that when we get squeezed, we let love come flowing out? It doesn't mean... That sin isn't sin. But God calls us to love. Because when we don't love, this is what the world hears. It's 1 Corinthians 13.8. If you speak in tongues of men or of angels... How many would you love to speak in the tongues of angels? Wouldn't that be awesome? It says, but do not have love. So if you speak like an angel, but you don't have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and, cannot fathom all, and, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give all my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Yes. Yes. It's not that we don't do those things. This isn't a one or the other. That's right. We're called to do all those things. Yeah but we're called to do it in love, with the foundation of love. I think it is one of the most powerful things that Paul wrote, because he essentially is saying, if I don't have love, I sound like a resounding gong. If I don't have love, I sound like a clanging cymbal. If I don't have love, I am nothing. If I don't have love, I gain nothing. He goes on, says this. So how, how do we show love? This is 1 Corinthians thirteen four. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Really wish you wouldn't put that in there. Or this one, it keeps no record of wrongs. Dear Jesus, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It does no good unless we live it. See, he gives us ways we can actually live out love. They're not easy. Love is not easy. Love will not be your easy choice. Loving people is not easy. Because they're people. And they make mistakes. But if we know it and we don't live it, it's just Religion. And this world does not need religion. The lost and broken need a savior. They need Jesus that loves them. And the only way that they're going to know that Jesus loves them is if love comes out of you. Because you are the Jesus people. If you say Jesus is your God, then you are a Jesus people. You are a people that loves And so let's make sure that we're squeezing love out of us. If I can have the band come up. See, this is how we'll have revival in this city, in this region, in this state, in this country, and in this world. Is if we'll learn to love. Love. Do all the other things too. That doesn't get you off the hook of praying for the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. Doesn't excuse you. Well, I love. Well, that's a good start. But let's do the stuff in love. Because loving the world around you is doing the stuff. Right? Right? I love my wife, but if I never do anything for her, do I really love her? If I love my kids, but never do anything for them, do I really love them? Do, if, I, do I, if I really love the world around me, but don't show them God's love, do I really love them? So today, let's choose love. Will we love the broken? Will we love the hurting? Will we be patient with them? When they come in this building or you go out to them, will you be patient with them? Will you be kind to them? Will we honor them? Will we put them above us? Will we not be angry with them? Will we keep no record of wrongs? Will we protect them? Will we trust them? Will we always give them hope? Will we persevere with them? It's time to not to fail them. Today, let's choose love. Because to love them is not to fail them. Would you stand with me? through this series will we be faithful what Jesus has given us will we share with the world around us what Jesus has given us will we be obedient to what he's saying and will we love the unlovable the undeserving the ones that aren't us so this morning we're going to finish with communion Because it is the greatest show of love that Jesus came and gave his life for everyone. He didn't give his life just for us. He gave it to the prostitute. He gave it to the one that curses him. He gave it to the witch He gave it to the murderer. He gave it to the one that abuses you. He gave it to the one that's not like you. Will we be a people that loves? no matter what. I believe you are because you've already done it. You do it all the time. But I think it's just a good reminder for us that that's what's going to win the world is loving them. And when they come in here, will we love them? Will we throw our arms around them when they're dirty and stinky and full of the world? Will we have patience? Will we love them? Will we trust them? Will we wrap our arms around them and protect them? Because they're looking for people to protect them. They're looking for a God that will love them and protect them. And will we be those people that do that? So... Actually, if you guys can come, let's try to come up close together as we take communion as a family. Because it's going to take a family to bring in the harvest. If you're not comfortable being that close with people, that's totally fine. You can stay where you're at. But if you are comfortable, because it takes a family to bring revival. And you guys are a good family that know how to love. So can we keep loving and finding new ways to love on our community, love on our neighbors, and love on our enemies? Can we do that? Yeah. So we're going to take communion together. But we're going to sing this song because it's really what this is about. That He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of our love for Him, and He's worthy for us to love others. So we're going to sing this, and I want you to sing this out of a heart of taking communion. At the end, we're going to take communion together, but worship with communion—the front foot of your head. That this is why we worship, because of His love. So let's worship.
1: For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory.
0: of it all you gave your body and allowed it to be broken so that love could reign so we take it now in remembrance of what you've done today take the bread
1: because you You are worthy of it all
0: I wanted Mikey to share she saw this during worship. And Kathy, thank you so much for transition. Kathy had no idea what I was speaking on today. She saw the red flag of love over this place. But Mikey came and shared before we take the cup here. I wanted her to share this. Um, you're good. Okay.
2: So as Kathy was saying, you know, with the red um, banner, the banner over us is love. And y'all all know the verse and the old song. you know, He leads us to his banqueting table, his banner over us is love. Well, when um, Christopher was first singing, when we first came in to worship, which I'm over there interceding and saying, God, what do you want to show me? James comes up and says, Mikey, I want you to make a banner for new wine. So I'm thinking about new wine. Christopher starts singing about this is how I fight my battles. He talks about a banqueting table. So I'm imagining already what Kathy said with the the banner over us is love and he's leading us to this banqueting table and i don't know how many of you guys have seen aquaman and i'm sorry for prophesying through a movie again all the time but there's a scene when they're in the wine cellar which is where he's saying i'm going to take you to the wine cellar my intention towards you is love they just you know kidify it by saying banqueting table man you know he's really going to get you drunk and he intends to be intimate with you so, um in the movie she uses the wine as a weapon because they can, you know, propel water. It, it, y'all seen this? It's an amazing scene. If you haven't seen it for anything, just to see that scene is worth it. But the wine, the intimacy in the cellar is used as a weapon. And that's what I saw and then while we were singing, just wine and honey flowing all kinds of stuff. But this is an invitation, just like Kathy said that an invitation to love, an invitation to intimacy is available and is powerful. Um, Oh, can I also add, because me and Zach literally were talking about this yesterday, you were talking about the sponge, and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. So in the scriptures, when it talks about Pharaoh, his heart's hardened and all this other stuff, the word picture is the sponge being emptied, and the sponge gets hard, when it's emptied, that's how his heart was hardened. It's not God going get hard. He squoosed what was out, what came. Anyway, that was just something I was like, oh, you gotta come on, because it's helped me so much to know God didn't harden his heart. Anyway, yes.
0: So with the cup, it is our weapon. His blood was shed for us and for everyone, so they can come into His love. So let's drink it in remembrance of what he did, but as a weapon of his love. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that you were willing to give your blood as a love offering, as a love offering for everyone that will partake of it. So Jesus, we say, cheers to you that you gave your blood for us. Thank you.
1: You were the other.
0: loving your people the people that you have created that are broken and lost today is the mission we commit to being people of love that we will love the broken we will love the lost we'll love your children so Jesus teach us how and we thank you for your sacrifice that you gave you gave out of love for us. And I just speak over anybody here that has family members that are lost. That today would be the day that they come home. So we call in the prodigals. We call in the lost. We call in the broken. We call them in now to a place, a family that will love them. That will keep no record of wrong. That will be patient with them and be kind. And bring them into an experience into the glory of Jesus. To the love of Jesus that we will not fail them that we will love them in Jesus name and we all say amen if I can have the worship uh, the ministry team come on up if you need prayer this morning if you need healing or you need prayer for anything that's going on someone agree with you there's some prayer warriors here to be with you if you want to attend the ministry team class meet Dave out on the foyer Love you. Have a great week. Go and love on people. You are worthy of
1: the all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Because you are worthy of the all. i oh.